you know, God gives us, I don't know, benefits. He, he expects us to be obedient, to, to honor and, and worship Him, to give Him praise. But He also expects us to be a joyful people. He expects us to be a peaceful people. And I read earlier in Revelation where the, uh, that, that one was, uh, was sent to take peace from the earth. To take peace. And we think, well, he's talking about war. And, and the context says he's talking about bringing war to the earth. But there's another way of taking peace. And that is taking it out of the heart of man. Taking peace out of the heart of man. Where does war come from? Where does all this turmoil come from? It's from peace being lost in the heart of man. To where man doesn't know how to be peaceful anymore. Christians are on drugs at record levels just to get through their day. I don't believe that's the way God planned it to be. God doesn't want us to take drugs to make it through our day. And I'm talking about to give us peace, to to give us uh, some kind of ability to cope with our day. God doesn't expect us to do that. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, if you would go there. Philippians 4, 6. And as we think about peace and joy, does that mean that we're always peaceful and joyful all the time? Boy, that'd be a nice world, wouldn't it? That can change in the twinkling of an eye, so to speak. Last week, my daughter called my wife, or vice versa, and they had a conversation, and Deb said Trisha was having a meltdown, as any mom would that has five children. And she was flipping out over the kids. They're doing this and they're doing that. I'll talk to you later. And poor Deb, she was like, oh, my poor little girl. She's losing it. She's she's gone out of her mind. Then she talked to her just a little while later. And Trisha was like, oh, my babies are so wonderful. She said, are you done being crazy, Trisha, now? She said, yeah, I'm done. I'm I'm fine. You know, they, they can change that quickly. And, I mean, how do you not be <laughs> joyful when you look at those little things? They can drive you nuts, yes. but they are the most precious thing in the world. My little granddaughter, Addie, three years old, told her mama, she said, I want to marry grandma. <laughs> and <laughs> Trisha said, well, you have to marry a boy. She said, I have to marry a boy? But they stink. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not have a joyful life when you're around them, right? <laughs> Philippians 4, chapter, or verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, I ask that you will give us something today that we can use. Something that will make our life more pleasing to you and more joyful and peaceful. Lord, I just praise you for your word and your spirit that guides. In Jesus' name, amen. You take the first four words there, and there is a huge um, responsibility. Be careful for nothing. The Amplified says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. 
Wow, that's one of those really easy statements to make, right? Don't worry about a thing. You know, the, the tow truck's outside repoing your car. Hey, don't worry about it. You're good. You know, you, you find out, you go to work, and you find out your company went bankrupt, and you have no more work. I've been there. Exact situation. I was working. We were refurbing uh, mobile homes that had been re- repossessed. We were refurbishing the resell, and a guy in a suit and tie walked in, and he said, stop work, put down your tools, we're bankrupt. That's a stressful day. That, that, that's one of them days when you go, I don't want to go home and tell my wife about this. It's one of those days where you go into the doctor and you think you have, you know, a hangnail, and he said, no, you have cancer. And all of a sudden you say, be anxious for nothing? Don't worry about anything? What? How does that work when you find out that your child was in a horrible accident? Or, you know, you can go through a thousand different scenarios where your peace that quickly goes. Your joy is gone. There is, there is nothing but fear and dread and turmoil in your soul. And you say, God, you give me this crazy little statement about don't worry about anything. I think, and I've mentioned this before, I think that we have tried to put an unrealistic view on Christians. We look at biblical characters and we think those dudes were supermen. The Apostle Paul had a red S on his chest. He never did anything wrong. He had it together. He could handle any situation. You know who I think Paul was? I think Paul was a man. I think he had bad days. I think he had good days. I think he went off on people sometimes when he shouldn't have. I think he struggled with bitterness in his heart at times. I think that he had fears and anxiety. I think he had everything that you and I have every day. He wrestled with it. It didn't matter what he said. I die daily. I fight this battle every single day. Does God know when you get that report that you're going to be fearful? Of course he does. He made you. He created you. I don't think he expects anybody to go beyond the realm of human ability. Because when you get that report, when that thing happens, you're going to be scared. You can't help it. He says, do not be anxious in the Amplified. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything. In every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition. There you go. By prayer and petition. Uh, and with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that peace that reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which, peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ is yours. So, we have that report. We have that situation. We have that problem that grabs us and terrifies us for a moment, for a time. And we, we think, God, where is that peace? What does he say to do? Go into prayer. Get in before God. See, I, I can pick on men because I am one of them. First thing we do when the tire blows is how do I change the tire? When the house is on fire, how do I put the fire out? When there's a problem, how do I fix it? Men are fixers. We fix things. When things are going wrong, we fix it. We try to fix our wives. Any guy succeed at that? No. Does it usually work really well? 
Usually they fix us at that point. (laughs) We like to fix things. We like to get in there and, and whatever is going wrong, we handle it. Well, there's some things we can't handle. There's some things that we can't fix. We're not big enough. We don't have the ability to do it. And those times when we... I don't know, we, we jump in and we want to get our hands dirty and fix everything. And when everything else fails, we stand up and say, well, I guess there's nothing left to do but pray. Probably should have started there. <laughs> Probably went the back way, you know, kind of went backwards on that. Start with giving it to God. Then let God lead for an answer and direct as how we, we are going to handle it. See, Satan's job is to take peace from the earth. Satan's job is to take peace from your heart. Satan's job is to take your joy. I read something this week that said, it was a list of things to, to how you tell if your church is dead. <laughs> I was like, I thought you would probably know that without having to read an article, but it was interesting. One of the things it said in that article was, if there's no laughter in your church. Have you ever been to a church like that? I have. It's like going to a funeral every single Sunday. We're all dead, and we all are dead together. (laughs) My golly. There should be joy in your church. Why? Because we serve the God who gives joy. There should be laughter. There should be happiness. You know, my family is the craziest people on earth next to Robin's. Um, (laughs) they're, They're nuts. They're beyond insane. But, you know, we got together over Christmas and laughed and had a good time, you know. All, we, all, my, all year long they hate each other. But during that one time together, we laughed and had a good time. That's what families should do when they get together. Is have a good time. Enjoy themselves. Have fun and laugh. That's, that's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with coming together as a family, putting aside that craziness, and just having fun. Well, at least we don't have any crazy people in our church, right? <laughs> Next point. <laughs> and Jesus is the peace giver. Satan is the peace taker. And that's right there an indication. If something's taking your peace, who is it? It's not Jesus doing that. It's not the Almighty God doing that. It's not the Spirit of God taking your peace. It's Satan taking your peace. He takes that peace. So you have to catch yourself. When something goes wrong, granted, you're going to be scared, you're going to be terrified, something's going to bother you, you've got to catch yourself. Now, way back in ancient history, I used to be into, you know... Competitive arm wrestling. And you ever watch that? It's kind of cool. It's kind of fun to watch. And so I would, I, I was in these matches and I watched these guys and some of them were just like, pop, that quick. If you didn't, it was just like, pop. I was like, whoa, how do they do that? And, and when I would get up there, I could never do that. I always had to catch them like here and bring them all the way back over the top. And if I won, it was like a big long battle to bring it wrong. That's how I live my life. It's never that simple. I can't just win the match. I have to fight forever. The longest match I ever had, I think, was against my cousin, Steve Hedrick, Jay Hedrick's little brother. He used to have arms like this. They're, they're only like that now. And, and it was that very thing. We were at, at our aunt and uncle's house. 
We decided to arm wrestle. He had me about here, and it was 30 solid minutes. And I came up, and I got about here, and he stood up and quit. I said, really? Oh, man, I was doing good. I finally was doing good. You have to catch. I had to catch him. I have, that's the only way I could win a match. That's how I live my life. When something happens and it grips me, I have to catch myself. I can't just, I'm not super spiritual. You might be, but I'm not. When something happens, I have to catch myself because my peace goes away and my joy goes away and I get mad. And it takes a little bit for me to regroup and say, God, I can't handle this thing. It's yours. Maybe I'm just a little too human. I don't know. But we have to catch ourselves. We have to, we have to realize, we have to recognize the futility of worry. Have you ever fixed anything by worrying about it? No. Funny how that works. Have you ever noticed that no matter how much you worry about something, it never affects the outcome? Never does. You, and have you ever noticed that most of what you worry about never happens? Right. Never takes place. Worry yourself sick about it, it never takes place. Now, I tease my wife all the time. I tell her if she didn't have something to worry about, it would worry her sick that she didn't have anything to worry about. <laughs> I will get beat later, but she's, she's going to take my peace of joy later on. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 25 says, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? And the Amplified says, which of you can add one hour to your lifespan? In fact, if you worry enough, you'll take things away from your lifespan. (laughs) You'll actually lose on that. And so it takes a decision. It takes a decision to give it to God. Believe me, it won't be automatic. When something happens, somebody hurts you, a family member says something or does something that, that, that rips your heart out, they betray you, they backstab you, whatever it is, you will not automatically give it to God. You have to make a decision, I can't carry this thing. Mary Lou has to do it with that struggle she's having physically. And she makes that decision. She says, I can't carry this thing, I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to God. Because can she heal cancer? Her doctors can't even heal cancer. They can fight it. They can do what they can. But God is the great healer. God is the one that takes care of it. And we look at our lives and we say, God, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm doing everything I, I can. And I, I think sometimes he says, why don't you stop and let me handle it? Just let me take care of it. So we, we decide when we're in the midst of that. And you get that that call and they say, you know, hey, we're bankrupt. Uh, we're shutting down. You do not have a job. Do the bills go away at that point? Don't you wish? The bills still come in. In fact, that's when they double down. Your mailbox is fuller than ever before with bills right after you lose your job. And you say, God, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this thing. What do I, what do, I do? And it takes a decision to say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. If I lose stuff, I lose stuff. If I battle, I battle. If I struggle, I struggle. But I'm giving it to you, God. And I can tell you from experience, we've been there. 
We have been there in our lives. We've watched tow trucks back up and haul our cars away. We have wondered where we were going to live because we couldn't have our house anymore. We've been there. We've been through horrible situations because of situations just like that where something out of my control and all of a sudden my job was gone. But you know what we did have? We always had food. We always had our kids. That was the greatest thing ever, you know, having our kids around us. We always had a place to stay. God always provided. He didn't provide everything I wanted, but He sure provided what I needed. That's what peace is about. God, I'm okay. I am okay, not because I can handle this thing, because I can't. But I'm okay because you are handling this thing. You have this thing in your hands. Consider the consequences of worry. Hmm. Doctors say that 80% of hospital beds are filled with people who have no more wrong with them than stress. Stress-induced sickness. 80% of hospital beds, they claim, are filled because of people with stress-induced sickness. So often, disease comes from that. A large contributor to heart disease, weakening the immune system, gastrointestinal disease, migraines, ulcers, high blood pressure. So many of those things are contributed to by worry and stress. Fear and anxiety that weighs down so heavily on us. Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Casting it all on Him, for He cares for you. So, the enemy will take our physical well-being through stress and worry. He will also take our spiritual well-being through stress and worry. Can you trust God and worry at the same time? It really doesn't work that way, does it? You can't do both. Either you, you're, you leave it in God's hands, or you don't leave it in God's hands. That's how it works. A mind that is occupied with worry and fear and stress is a mind that is not focused on the Lord. When we worry, we lose sight of the Lord and His providential working. When we are worried and stressed and fearful, we are not looking at the fact that God has all things in control. We can't do it both. We lose focus on the Lord and His revealed Word. Did you know you have the last chapter in the book? No matter how bad the battle is, you know how it's going to end. Thank God. That's a great asset right there, is when we know. We are tempted to handle our circumstances and situations with fleshly wisdom and fleshly strength when we start worrying and get stressed over things. This is what happens in verse verse 7 of the text. It says, "...in the peace of God..." That peace which reassures the heart. That peach which... Why do I keep saying peach? Peace. (laughs) That peace. That transcends all understanding. (laughs) That peace which stands guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus is yours. What does that mean? It doesn't make sense. People around you will look at you and say, how can this person be peaceful? They must be insane. They must be crazy because they have peace in the midst of this turmoil in their lives. When they are so stressed and so so in the midst of anguish. And you know, I, I refer to my 
of their occupation a lot because I see so many parallels in it. And you remember that big shooting in California, and, and I think I mentioned this recently, but back in the 90s there was that big shooting that went on where they armor-plated themselves and they took on the police, and the police didn't have anything to take them on with. They had to go into gun shops and take guns to, to try to combat these guys. What those police saw during those hours were so traumatic that three of the officers committed suicide after it. So many times during these traumatic situations, police officers, firefighters, medical staff carry so much of the weight with them that they're not able to give to God and they actually lose it. They will commit suicide after these traumatic events. Why? Because they don't know. That person didn't know what it was to give it to God. And that's not, and I don't say that to throw stones because that's not an easy thing to do. When you've seen what some of us have seen, it's not easy to just lay that down and give it to God. I'm not trivializing it. I'm just being realistic. We see things that sometimes is, is heavy and they don't know how to give it to God. Isaiah 26 says, You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character, because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. The King James says it a little easier. It says, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on me. See, it's a battle, and everything is a battle in your mind. We think a lot of times it's a battle in our circumstances, it's a battle in our life, it's a battle in our body, but really the battle is always in the mind. That's where the real war rages. When somebody breaks your heart, when some family member is so cruel to you, where does that battle reside? Right here. As it, as it tears you up inside. And when things, things happen and, and circumstances pile up and it's a battle, it's a rage in your mind and you find yourself occupied and obsessed and you can't get rid of it and every minute of your day you're focused on that person or that situation, that trial, that battle. And that peace goes away because that's where you're focused. I often am amazed at, at like the Amish folks. They're out there and they're plowing a field with a horse and an old style plow. You know what they're not thinking about? Whether Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. They don't even know probably. They don't even, whether Hillary got indicted or not never enters their mind. They're plowing their field. Now, they're never worried about whether the Koreans fired another missile or not. They don't even, they don't even think about it. They're, they're building their barn. That's what they're doing. They never worry about whether the Kalispells are going to change the codes for the air quality around here and affect everybody. They're not worried about that. You know what they're doing? They're living their life. They're living their life. They're doing what they do without obsessing with what's happening. And you know, I, 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 I keep up with what's going on and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but we can get very obsessed with it and lose our peace and lose our joy because we're so worried about what's happening in the world. Let me ask you, if you worry yourself crazy sick, is it going to change whether Donald Trump colluded with the Russians? No. Don't care, really. I mean, I hate it. I don't care. Just for the record, I don't think he did. Um, but anyway, <laughs> no matter how much you worry about it, you're not going to change whether Kim, Kim Jong-un nutcase fires another missile or not. 
You could sit 24 hours a day in your, in your recliner pulling your hair out, stressing about it, and you will not change whether the next missile flies. It will not make an effect. It will not change whether your company goes bankrupt. It will not change whether there's going to be an accident in your family this coming week. It will not change whether, you're, whether your hospital visit is bad. It won't change a thing except make your life less joyful. That's the only thing it will change. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as this world gives do I give to you. I, do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. What do I do when it hits and I'm fearful and I worry? You pick this up and you set it on your lap and you turn off the TV and the radio and all that and you begin to read and you begin to pray. And you get into your relationship with God. You allow the Word of God to speak life into you. You allow the Spirit of God to get in and begin to soothe that pain and that worry and that fret that is in your life. And you allow God to change your circumstances in your mind. Not necessarily the circumstances around you, but the circumstances up here. And you allow God to to start to change what's happening in your brain, in your mind, and in your spirit. Satan wants you in turmoil. He created turmoil. That's what he did. Luke 12, 22 says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye able, or better than the fowls? And which of you, in taking any thought, can add to a stature one cubit? For then be not able to do that which is least. Why take ye thought for the rest? If you can't even change the little things, why worry about the big things? That's what God says. If you can't fix the little things, you you can't even affect those little things. What in the world are you worrying about the universal big things for? Because you can't do anything about it. Consider, consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is, is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, whether ye... Ye be of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these. But rather, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all the things, all these things, and ye shall be added unto you. Seek the things of God. Satan takes the peace. He wants your life in turmoil. He wants you to get up in the morning and forget how blessed you are. He wants his... He wants your mind occupied all day long in what's going wrong instead of what's going right. He wants your heart fearful and dreading what's taking place around you rather than you resting in Him. God calls us to His perfect rest. That rest, that peace that comes over us and says, God, I can't change a thing, but one thing I do know, and the one thing I know is eternal, is Almighty God, and I will be with you for eternity. So whatever's happening right here, 
This is not where I live my per- permanent life. This is just a resting place. This is just a, a residing place, a, a, a temporary abode until God takes me home. Because I know that God has a plan and God has me in His hands. What does He tell us? Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, believers, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right, and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good report or repute, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. I think that's one of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture right there. For giving us a happy and joyful, peaceful life. Where you keep this is how you will live. Simple fact. If you're focused on everything that's crashing and burning around you, you will not have joy. But if your vision, if your focus, if your thinking is on the right things, everything can be crashing and burning around you, and you can still be a pillar of joy, just like God calls you to be. Often we talk about Paul and Silas in the prison, singing and praising God at midnight. And I've, I've referred to you before, this is not an American prison. They didn't have HBO. They did not have workout rooms. They did not have uh, college classes. They did not have beds and bunks. They did not have that. What I've read about the prison that Paul and Silas were in is they were about three feet tall. You could never stand up in them. You had to basically crawl or, or bend way over to even move around. There was no bathroom, so you can imagine what was in there. And if somebody died, they didn't remove the bodies. It was nasty, vile, putrid place that stunk beyond anything. They say when somebody was first thrown in, they would immediately begin to throw up just from the, the, the smell of it. That's what the prison was. And you know what they did? They sang praises to God at midnight. They were singing praises to God. In the midst of that, you know why? Because whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honorable, uh, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any praise or if there be any virtue, they thought on those things. That's where their focus was. Let's pray. Father, I ask today for peace for these people. Lord, every one of us here, there's not a single exception. We are fighting things. We are struggling We are battling with bad news, bad health, uh, children, grandkids that are going astray or have gone astray, uh, financial situations, problems with the home or the car or a hundred thousand other different things, Lord. Every single one of us here is battling in that way, in one of those ways. I pray for peace. I pray for a peace that passes all understanding on every single person here. I pray, Lord, that you will teach them how to give it to you. Because, Lord, you know it doesn't come automatic to us. I pray, Father, that you will teach each one of us how to give it to you when we are fearful, when we are dreading, when we are are facing a battle that is bigger than us. Teach us how to rest in you and have peace. Father, we just praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.